everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is another Spawn Daily episode, and it's my pleasure to welcome back Blake Whitlow once again to break down an issue of Spawn with me. Blake is the one that put together the awesome Spawn reading order that can be found in the show notes. If you want to do a complete deep dive into Spawn, whether it's just the regular issues of the series or uh, and, and see where the other ancillary stuff fits in, or you want to read the other ancillary stuff, I definitely recommend going and checking it out. Blake, thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks. Yeah, as a, a quick reminder, every couple of episodes, I'd like to remind everybody what we're doing here. We're celebrating the 30th anniversary of Spawn. Uh, initially, the idea was celebrate the 30th anniversary of Image, celebrate the 30th anniversary of Spawn, and get caught up with all of the Spawn regular series so that uh, I could understand what's going on with the Spawn Universe titles that Todd McFarlane launched last year in hopes of creating a, a shared universe, namely Scor- The Scorched. Uh, Gunslinger Spawn and King Spawn. Uh, but what I found bef- right before I hit issue 50 was a lot of the other miniseries like Spawn Batman, uh, or I should say miniseries and one shots like Spawn Batman, Violator, Angela, Spawn Blood Feud. They add a lot of context to the story. And so that's when I went searching for a reading order. Blake's is far and away the best one you're going to find out there and the most comprehensive on the internet. But how do I incorporate all of that, which is way more than an extra 30 or 40 episodes because that's about the space i would have if i was doing this daily podcast uh we're talking about adding over 100 issues so the way i'm going to do it you will always get only one issue per day in the spawn daily but for the other stuff i'm gonna you know do a whole arc it could be as many as six issues or it's the entire angela miniseries or the entire violator miniseries which are three each so and some days you'll get an ancillary episode containing that stuff as well as uh, an issue of the regular Spawn series. So you can listen to however many, as always, however many of the episodes you want. I know we put out tons of content here uh, at the comic source. So some of you guys listen to everything. Some of you guys just listen to your, you know, Marvel spotlights or DC spotlights or whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever works for you, but it will be a comprehensive uh, look at Spawn over the, his 30 years, uh, as indicated by Blake's awesome reading order. So uh, with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into issue 52, which you can see from the cover behind me, a little bit of a crossover, right? We've seen, crossover. <laughs> well, up to this point, we'd seen Spawn crossover with Chapel and, and Youngblood quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we heard the name Shadowhawk or read the name Shadowhawk in the issue. And I think in terms of Savage Dragon, all we saw was on the final page of one of the issues or early on, we saw Savage Dragon, a mention of Chicago, and we saw Savage Dragon on a TV that some kids were watching in a store uh, display. Yep. But this is the first time Savage Dragon actually shows up in, uh, in an issue of Spawn. So you can see Capullo and McFarlane's great looking um, cover there, this battle between uh, Savage Dragon and Spawn. And if you're wondering... Well, why the hell would these two heroes be fighting? They're on the same side. You just stay tuned and we'll, we'll, <laughs> tell, we'll tell you. Uh, so, yeah, fantastic, um, fantastic looking cover. Uh, especially love all the green uh, juxtaposed against the orange background of the, the flames and whatnot. So uh, let's take a look inside at the uh, credits. McFarlane on story. Greg Capullo on pencils, Todd McFarlane and Danny Mickey on inks. Tom Orzakowski does the letters. 
We've got Brian Haberlin, Dan Kemp, and Matt Miller on colors. There's the summary for issue 51, which basically just talks about last issue Spawn being trapped in the fourth level of hell, which has everything to do with emotion. And basically, after being psychologically and emotionally tortured by the Lord of the fourth level, they remove uh, one of the last human vestiges uh, of Spawn, which is the, the heart that Malbolgia uh, allowed Spawn to keep in his chest out. What's important to remember is that's not actually his heart, more of a, I guess, a, a replica of his heart, because we know that his body is, was actually buried. You know, his body was, is in that coffin. Um, but like I've said many times, I think the necroplasm of Spawn's body looks the way that it looks, looks like a human body, because that's the way Spawn thinks that it should look. He should have a heart and ribs and cartilage and bones and, uh, and all that kind of thing. So uh, it was taken away, left on the quote unquote floor, even though there didn't really seem to be a floor of the, uh, the fourth level. And Spawn disappeared and we'll see where he, uh, where he shows up next. Meanwhile, some doctors were running some tests trying to figure out how Terry recovered from, uh, from the cancer that he had. He's, he wants to just put it behind him and move on. Wanda seems to be more worried about how it might've happened, maybe because she's worried about the cancer coming back. Uh, we also saw that Cyan refused to give up the shoelace that used to hold Spawn's face together. Obviously, neither Cyan nor Wanda nor uh, Terry are aware of that, but she feels some attachment for it. And Sam and Twitch got their new crime mobile. So that's a, a quick and dirty recap there of, uh, of the last issue. So uh, it starts off, and, and this is kind of interesting, like I, I always... Every other time we saw the house that Wanda and Terry lived in, it's in a neighborhood with other houses like close by. But now we get uh, one of these pages with walls of text that McFarland likes to do once in a while. It's talking about through the centuries, hell spawns and the curses that they bring with them and about how disoriented they are after the transformation when they first show up and how they're really officers in training for the, the armies of hell um, and all of that brings us to this quiet neighborhood because all of the people we're about to see have been touched by a hell spawn and who we see. And, and again, I'm not, how is this their house when their house has always been in a neighborhood and now it looks like it's out in the middle of the woods, <laughs> nowhere. So maybe well, yeah, I kind of read that was, uh, so much of the series is already highly exaggerated. So much of the art is. Uh, abstract. I just kind of interpret this as they wanted to do a really cool shot of this lone house matched against the darkness, blending in with the darkness. So, you know, that, that's very thematic to what's happening. You know, they're all by themselves, this family, and there's only darkness around them. So I don't know. Yeah, Kind I of thought, an artsy take on it, but that's kind of how I, I yeah, saw it. I just, I mean, like you said, we've seen their house in a neighborhood, so it's yeah, not in the middle of a field. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like a, almost like a shack here, or a cabin or something in the middle yeah. of the woods. Um, but yeah, I, I chalked it up to artistic license as well. I mean, it, it is a cool looking shot. Uh, but yeah, so then we, we basically check in on, on those people that have been you know personally affected by having a health spawn in their life. And it's interesting that we start with Cyan, and we see the shoelace there. We see it tied to her her pacifier. 
and we're told about the the shoelace like wow we start with with her like she never even knew she was never even born when uh when al simmons was around but obviously she has been uh, affected by it and we'll see what the uh the shoelace means uh, then we we move over to wanda who's sleeping and uh we're told that she always keeps her her first wedding ring the one that says uh, forever al um in her jewelry box, just a few feet from her, which I found to be uh, interesting. But yeah, all of them uh, affected by knowing Al Simmons. And when you want to talk about maybe most affected, then that's going to be Terry with his uh, his newfound gray hair at the temples, because he wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for his relationship with Al Simmons, his relationship with Spawn. His cancer was cured recently. And uh, he's been trying to sleep and been struggling. He keeps having these dreams. And uh, when he wakes up from this one, uh, he says, Al, because again, like I mentioned last time, maybe it's the fact that Al's power was in him. And so now he's, he seems to be coming to accept the fact that Al's is not gone or wasn't gone. He's gone again. Now he's in hell right now. Mm-hmm. We know, but Terry doesn't know that. And so Terry is coming to the uh, the realization that Spawn was telling the truth. He really is Wanda's, uh, you know, late husband. And of course, Terry, and this is what's interesting about the relationship with Wanda. He's always so worried about Wanda um, and what she can handle, despite the fact that we're always told that Wanda is such a strong person. And she's depicted that way sometimes, sometimes less so. Um, but neither Al nor Terry ever seem to want to give uh, Wanda all the information and let her sink or swim on, on their own. It's maybe to their detriment um, or maybe it speaks to, you know, this idea of chivalry that they're always trying to, to protect her. Um, and so uh, Terry does not confide in, in, uh, in Wanda and say, Hey, I, I think that Spawn was telling the truth and he really is Al. Uh, he just says, ah, bad dream. Go back to sleep. I'm going to get up for a few minutes. Um as Terry goes walking down the hall thinking, this is crazy. It's been five years. I helped bury him for Christ's sake. And, you know, now he's back. Cause again, Terry doesn't know that, that, uh, that spawns in hell. So he's left to kind of brood there in the dark, figuring out what to do while we know that spawn is in hell fighting to, uh, to keep his soul. So we get a really cool uh, double page spread here. Uh, we are on the fifth level of hell, which is inhabited by all these green humanoid goblin looking people <laughs> who we're told have been sort of kept under control by their ruler through this idea of myth and legend that someday their, their savior is going to come to save them. And I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't even know that we're ever really told what that means that their savior is going to save them by doing what exactly by leading them out of hell by we're not really sure, but supposedly their lives are going to be better. And if they can just hang around for thousands of years until their savior shows up. Uh, the way I kind of read this was uh, I mean, obviously every circle of hell in uh, Dante's Inferno, 
the Divine Comedy, they all have like a very distinct set of who's here, who's placed where, yada, yada. But uh, Todd McFarlane kind of goes off book. He, he doesn't do that. He has his own sort of interpretation on what each level of hell is. And the way it kind of turns out is it, it boils down to the rule of cool. You know, what yeah. serves his current story that he's using right now. And um, here it seems like this is sort of the circle of hell where the religious zealots go. You know, that the, all these people, all these little goblinoid uh, creatures seem to be devoted to the idea of a messiah, of a chosen one. They don't even say what it's for like you said like like the, the, the whole thing is revolving around the idea that i don't need to take responsibility for my own actions this chosen one's going to do it for me which is kind of a, a common criticism amongst uh uh amongst uh, communities that that are sort of against religion or religious teachings is you know a lot of people like Todd McFarlane, he's very, very open and vocal about his opinions throughout the whole series. He he doesn't like the idea of prescribing to a specific religion. And I think this is just sort of like his way of criticizing people that believe in something that's going to give them an out instead of just doing it themselves. Yeah, exactly. The, it gives them an excuse not to have personal responsibility. And it, it definitely is this belief system that this these people have the civilization has definitely tends toward the old Testament. If you want to talk about Christianity, mm-hmm. this idea of an eye for an eye. Uh, and so spawn shows up there. They're not sure what to think of him. Um, and so like a lot of civilizations, I guess, especially more primitive civilizations when they're not sure what something is uh, you know, they, they sort of view it with fear and then out of fear, they lash out. Well, Spawn's mm-hmm. not about to let them just beat on him. And so he kind of he kind of screams at them, um, get the hell off me. What are you doing? Uh, and that sort of shocks these uh, these people. And they think as Spawn starts to, to you see some of his um, hell spawn powers sort of crackling around his eyes and whatnot. He says, mm-hmm. leave me alone. And all of a sudden they, they fall back. It's him. It's the savior. It's the prophecy. And their leader, you know, shows up very quickly as these uh, other beings start to bow down saying, stand up. Don't be so quick to uh, submit. Remember there was another that just came forth recently. They both can't be the savior. They both can't be anointed. So, you know, it's gotta be one or the other. Uh, it can't be both. And so um, when the, the leader uh, goes up to spawn and says, you know, what are you doing here? How can you save us? And spawn says, I, I don't know that I can, I can save you. I, yeah. And, and the guy's <laughs> like, well, wh- what do you mean? Who are you? What, what are you doing here? And, and Spawn says, well, uh, let me give you the short version, right? Instead of telling you my entire life story. And he says, because I loved my wife, so they killed me. You know, that, that's, and again, it goes to show what I was talking about last time, how so much of the core of his identity is wrapped up into his, his love of his wife. So wh- yeah. but what's interesting is it becomes a game of telephone, right? Like the ones that are closest to uh, Spawn and the leader hear this and they start mm-hmm. passing the message along, you know, what he said, because I love my wife, uh, they killed me. And then before too long, the message changes because it's been passed on from person to person to he killed his wife and he loved it, 
right? Which if you're, <laughs> if you're in hell and you're one of these denizens, yeah, oh, he's one of us, you know, he's- mm-hmm. He's a bad dude. Yeah, he's, he's evil and he has power. And why wouldn't we think that he's our, our savior? But to the point of the leader, he mentioned earlier, hey, there's another guy that just came and they can't both be our saviors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're talking once again about eye for an eye. And so here comes this other uh, guy who showed up recently and he's even green and even sort of looks like these humanoids. And so you can understand why they think that he might be the the prophet. Um, yeah. Oh, look, it's a buff version of me. Yeah, I'll worship yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's Savage Dragon. And not only that, he also has a fin, which is a feature foretold in their scripture that their their prophet would have this, this fin. Now, in terms of um, the way... <laughs> McFarland draws Savage Dragon. Like I never really hear anybody complaining about Greg Capullo's art in terms of um, like anatomy and perspective and uh, proportions. You know, he, he we can all agree that this is a little much. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's my point. Like people give McFar or uh, Liefeld a terrible time about his proportions, but yeah. if you look at the like, it could be argued that uh, Savage Dragon's forearms here are bigger than they're at even if they're not bigger even if they're not wider than his waist they're at least as big as his waist like who the heck's forearms are as big as uh the the way that it looks one arm is the size of his waist and both of his legs probably bigger (laughs) yeah it's it's crazy but you know again artistic license and it looks really cool yeah uh but what the hell is savage dragon doing here you know and again spawn's never met him um but apparently like it's it's almost a foregone conclusion well how are we going to find out which one of these two is the true prophet or the true savior or the true messiah or whatever um and so they all fall back and leave space around spawn and uh and savage dragon to fight right and Savage Dragon, he doesn't even know. We'll find out in a, in a few pages here. We, he's not even sure why he's there, but he's more than willing to fight. And so sure enough, before uh, you can even blink, they're, they're battling. Uh, the giant arms of <laughs> Savage Dragon and Spawn. Um, and again, Spawn is, he's, Al Simmons is much uh, less reluctant to use his powers. He figured, you know, before he's like, I don't want to use my powers. I don't want to use them up and have them be drained because I'll end up in hell. He's already in hell. He's got nothing to lose. Yeah. So why not use He's his power? He's juicing right now. He's juicing. Yeah, exactly. He, Go like, full tilt. Yeah, cut loose. So it's not very long before. I mean, I, I'm not that familiar with Savage Dragon. I haven't read more than a, maybe three or four issues of it. Over I've only read the issues that are closely related to uh, to Spawn <laughs> because yeah, I, this is this is not the only time that they cross over or cross paths. Yeah, I, I think I've read the first one and then I read the one where God cusses because uh, that was a big deal back in the day. And I think that's oh it. yeah yeah I think yeah I think that's <laughs> it. Maybe maybe flip through one other one here or there, but mm-hmm. but anyway, uh, I don't. I mean, he from what I know of Savage Dragon, he he really is no match for so he's just really strong. Um, and, you know, has some limited invulnerability, but, you know, he's not going to be a match for Spawn if Spawn cuts loose. And so, yeah, it's sort of a one, one-sided one fight. And then to add insult to injury after Savage Dragon loses, all the other guys, uh, you know, all the denizens of, of this level are kind of like, well, let me get my licks in too. This guy fooled us. He's nothing. He's an imposter. He's not the prophet. He's not the savior. So they pound on him as well and then tie him to a stick 
and haul them off like you see in the old uh, cereals where uh, cannibals would tie people to a, a stick and then take them to the pot to be boiled and eaten for dinner. Um, Savage Dragon, he's not consigned to that fate, but what we're told is they're going to uh, basically prepare him to be crucified. You know, kind of like you, you know, a bride would prepare on a wedding, like primp them, perfume, do the hair, makeup, whatever. But it's hell. So, uh, you know, they give him his last meal of, of grime and garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they shower him in urine, uh, which is just, you know, disgusting. And meanwhile, Spawn's like, well, who, who is this guy? What's going to happen to him? And the leader says, well, when darkness comes, he's going to die, right? He appeared to us. He gave us hope. We thought he was the savior. but you defeated him pretty easily. So, you know, it's clear he was here to betray us. So yeah, he's going to die. And, and Spawn's like, okay, I'd like to speak to him privately. And I, I, I do wonder where that desire, uh, is it just curiosity on the, the part of Al Simmons that makes him want to talk to this guy? Or do you think that he sees something of himself like there before the grace of God go, I like, what if I'd lost the battle? I think uh, it's it's your latter point. I think uh, he sees that he very well could have been in that situation himself. And it's like, okay, well, what would have happened to me? I know my story. What's, what's this guy's story? You know, obviously he's a fighter. So he's probably like, I don't know, like a fellow soldier. You know, what what's his deal? And I think it's sort of that, that, comrades in arms sort of mentality where you know we're all fighting for something what's this guy fighting for yeah i i tend to agree with you um and then at the end of the day what the reason he really shows up here is to hey let me get people that read savage dragon to read spawn and let me get people that read spawn to read savage dragon yeah that's that's the real world answer we're looking for the in universe exactly so uh and again neither blake nor i you know, no Savage Dragon or whatever, but apparently here, here's his story when Spawn says, you know, what are you doing here? And he's like, uh, well, I, I basically, I was, I'm from Chicago. I'm a cop and I'm trying to clean up Chicago and I deal with psychos all the time. And this broad who calls herself the fiend, don't ask me why she showed up and she tried to wipe me out and she blew off my arms uh, and that's the last I recall of the regular world. And I woke up here and I had big giant arms and I was naked and everybody I met thinks I'm some prophet and my fin has some special spiritual meaning. And then you showed up and I was reduced to second banana and now they're going to kill me. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. This is just a, I'm not that worried about it though. Cause it's probably just a nightmare or this fiend person pumped me full of drugs and, you know, eventually I'll wake up. And so he, Savage Dragon doesn't, doesn't really think any of this is real. Yeah. And uh, probably for those same reasons that Blake and I were just saying, Spawn's like, why this, there's nothing bad about this guy. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve to, to be killed. And so Spawn, again, this goes against their scriptures and their beliefs. He says, he calls out to all these people that believe he's uh, the prophet and the savior. And he's like, hear me, this man's done nothing wrong. We can't persecute him. We can't, you can't kill him. You've got to learn to turn the other cheek. Now that is a complete anathema to what these guys believe. They are all about an eye for an eye. They want revenge. They believe that Savage Dragon showed up there to trick them, 
and you know he's not their true prophet he's not their true messiah because he was defeated so easily by spawn so now all of a sudden they're thinking well spawn is a betrayer too he's he's not who they should be following either and so they attack spawn just like they attack savage dragon because again an eye for an eye and so this call to turn the other cheek could only come from somebody who would be looking to betray them so one of the other legends that this group has is that uh any false god that shows up is going to bear a symbol of his vileness is is how it's put and so spawn doesn't really have a symbol um per se but they basically they create one for him uh and it's it's sort of the the logo that you you see of spawn where it's the circle with the the two eyes and the line down the middle um and even though it's a crude carving that's what they uh what they carve into uh the ground or or into spawn himself and say uh, into his chest um and say yeah th- this is the symbol that that you're the betrayer basically and so they go ahead and uh crucify both savage dragon and spawn and say yeah reckoning is at hand uh this is this crucifixion of both of you is going to show the other levels not to mess with us and show us that our, our uh show all them that our faith is strong and it is interesting that uh, even though Spawn was stripped of the symbiote when he was on level four, you know, obviously it's come back and tr- it's traveled with him. Uh, but the symbiote doesn't make any move to try to save him or protect him here. And I can only assume, and uh, we'll see if Blake agrees or not, uh, that it's because the symbiote ultimately serves Malbolgia and it's Malbolgia that's putting Spawn through these tests. And it doesn't want the the symbiote to to help him out. So if that's what you're wondering, that's my take on it. Uh, my take on it is the suit is doing what the suit wants to do. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah, it uh, it. So everyone's seen Star Wars, right? Uh, the Force is something that the Jedi can use, but it also sort of works through them. So the suits sort of the same where Al can control it, but it also at times can control him. And right now it's just kind of, it's dipping out. It's taking a break, a coffee break or something. It's not really being an active agent for whatever reason. Um, Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's just kind of my take on it. I love the, um, the sort of philosophical, uh, implications that are being addressed in this particular issue the religious commentary being made uh, how quickly people are how quick the masses are to label someone as their savior and how quickly they turn on them yeah i mean we're, we're told as the issue opens that you know, oh, Spawn, you're our savior. You're here to, you know, be our messiah, yada, yada. But then immediately you find out, oh, there was another savior just just a couple minutes ago that showed up. It's yeah. like, okay, clearly, like, these guys are so brainwashed and so wrapped up in their religious fervor that they're just looking for anybody to fill the role. And that, you know, that there's just, like, these checkboxes that they're looking for. It's like, okay, this guy's he's got a fin 
and uh, he seems kind of cool and stuff. And yeah, he's probably our Messiah. And then Spawn comes along and it's like, oh, he looks even cooler. So he might be our Messiah. So is it just like this list of arbitrary things that these people are are looking for and that Spawn and Savage Dragon just accidentally happened to fill those specific checkboxes, it makes you wonder if religions and people that seek messiahs today are in a similar kind of category. Are they looking for religion in places in finding those answers, even though those things have absolutely nothing to do with them? Spawn is not their messiah. Savage Dragon is not their messiah. They just fell into this circumstance by accident for whatever reason. So are the saviors and messiahs that we're finding in religions today, are they just messiahs by accident because they happen to fulfill an arbitrary set of criteria? Who knows? I don't know. I, I love the commentary that's being made here, how quickly people will latch on to something and how quickly they'll let it go. And the well, uh, you could take it one step further. Uh, they'll let it go if their leader tells them to, right? Because the implication is early on when we're told about them, that their leader knows that it's all fake, that it's not true, that it's, there is no Messiah. There's no savior that's ever going to come. Uh, and then at the end, he's, he's the one that's leading them to, to crucify these two. You know, mm-hmm. he, he says, you know, we're going to reeducate everybody about the coming salvation. You two traitors are going to die and uh, let who is let he who is with sin cast the first stone. And like you know, the Bible, he who is without sin cast mm-hmm. the first stone. And then right about the time they're about to cast the first stone, they disappear. Savage Dragon and Spawn disappear. And we get this uh, fantastic final page, which is stands in such a contrast to that beautiful, idyllic uh, scene of the house on the opening page with the beautiful shooting star and whatnot. Here, the house is all in shadow. Malbulge's visage is in the storm clouds above. And it doesn't talk that much about about the inhabitants of the house, you know, about Terry and Wanda and uh, and Cyan. But instead, we get a little sort of glimpse into the future of what's going to happen to that fifth level of hell and their their citizens. And we're told that anarchy is going to, to reign for the next million years because of what just happened. There are those that are still going to believe that Spawn was the one. There are those that are going to believe that Savage Dragon was the one, probably fueled by the fact that they disappeared before they were able to kill them. Um, and so the seed of doubt has been planted in their faith. You know, like Blake was saying, they were so willing to believe so quickly and yet willing to give it up so quickly. And now all of a sudden it's like those, those doubts that they probably weren't actively acknowledging because these two escaped now it's right there in front of them. And so, and not only that, you don't have that unifying prophecy anymore where it was supposed to be one Messiah would show up. You have people that believe that spawn was the guy, people that believe Savage Dragon was the guy. So now you have this disagreement, you know, all of a sudden this, this peaceful belief that they all shared there's battle lines and they've become enemies within themselves now you've it's, got splinter churches just like yes, uh, exactly. Christianity, all these separate groups that fundamentally agree on the same thing, but can't get over that little tiny disagreement and are like, no, nah, you're not, you're 
your religion doesn't count. You're not really, you know, part of this religion because you believe that thing. So, and, and even the leader at the end, like you said, he, uh, he's like, we need to re-educate them. And it, he's basically admitting, yeah, we gotta, we gotta change this up. We, we gotta make up a new prophecy yep. to, uh, to try and keep control. If he knows that all of this is bunk and that it's all fake, then he's only using the religion as a method of controlling the masses yep. to keep himself in a position of power. Yeah, that was always, yeah, that's all, that was always what it was. And again, a great metaphor for not only religion, but politics in, in the real world. So mm-hmm. uh, one last little thing here that it says at, at, in terms of, you know, this cataclysm, this uh, anarchy that's going to reign for the next million years. Yeah, this arrival of Spawn has created this cataclysmic event for the, the fifth level and Mal Bulges found a, a way to even a personal score that he apparently had with the ruler of level five. Mm-hmm. And even though Mal Bulges doesn't necessarily seek to conquer the other levels, we're told that the Lords of each level are always looking for ways to eviscerate each other. Uh, so imagine what these hellish beings would leave in their wake on earth. Uh, and that's the last line of the issue. And we're told next spawn versus Malbolgia. So we'll see how that plays out in, uh, in the next issue. But um, yeah, th- this issue, like I said, uh, the art by Capullo is pretty fantastic in terms of uh, the juxtaposition from that first page to the last with, uh, I, mean, I just love this page with uh, Malbolgia's face in the clouds and <laughs> and yeah, and the other image that stands out, obviously, is when we see Savage Dragon for the first time and those arms and that those tra- trapezius muscles. I mean, he is. Yeah, I mean, he goes we, to we, the gym. All right, guys, yeah, he definitely. <laughs> pumps my, yeah, we, we we talked about the fact that his arms, specifically his forearms are as big as his waist and legs. We'd even talk about the fact that his shoulders are what? four times as wide as its waist. <laughs> yeah, it's, but yeah. it's fantastic. It's fantastic. And the fight scene is for as short as it is, is really dynamic with some great uh, scenes as well. The color work, uh, it, you know, there's a tendency with so much green for it to feel washed out and monochromatic. I don't feel like that ever happens. They find um, enough differences in the green and, you know, great job to the colorists. I can't remember yep. uh, their names, but uh, great job to them for finding all those different hues of green and, uh, you know, making each one distinctive and unique. Like Spawn's green is so neon. It, it, it's so distinctive that you don't get it mixed up with anything else. Yep. You know, they're all the same color, but they're not even remotely close to being the same color. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Brian Haberlin is the color artist and he started a few issues ago and he ends up being a color. I think he's probably still to this day has colored more issues of spawn than, than anybody early on. Steve Olaf was doing a lot of the colors, but Haberlin takes over and does them for a, a really long period of time. So, uh, all right. Any final thoughts on this issue before we wrap it up? Like, uh, I do actually. So, uh, it was noted to me recently by someone on uh, Reddit uh, that there were several issues, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is coming out. Uh, it was noted to me by someone on Reddit that uh, several uh, issues that tie into other series that are attached to Marvel uh, were not included in the spawn reading order. And I mentioned, 
mention at the bottom and at the top of the reading order list that I specifically excluded certain issues and, and crossovers like that because various reasons, uh, some of it honestly just boils down to personal preference. I like Spawn, so I'm here for Spawn. I want his story. I don't want some side character story that's never going to factor into the larger scope of things. And most of the time, those crossovers, Spawn's just there long enough to tell people his origin story mm -hmm. and uh, be super angry or super sad about something. And... You know, there's like two panels of a fight for whatever reason, and then he's out. So I didn't feel like any of that was necessary. So I didn't include it in the list. There is one of those issues that happens to be immediately after this uh, issue 52. Uh, it's Savage Dragon number 30. And uh, in that issue... They are falling through like a fiery tunnel and you get more perspective on kind of where Savage Dragon's headspace is. He is, honestly, he comes across very buffoony. He, he has no sort of uh, sense of seriousness for the situation. He honestly just completely, totally believes that this is all just a dream and that he's just hallucinating all of this because of the pain that he's in and and or, or that he's drugged or whatever by the fiend and it isn't towards the it isn't until towards the end of that issue that he actually realizes oh this might actually be real <laughs> <laughs> so uh spawns entire portion in that story he doesn't go to a different level of hell they're just sort of like on this completely other plane i don't even know what to call it it's just it looks like a, a hellscape you know there's fire there's rocks it's it's stuff and they're only there long enough for spawn to tell savage dragon his very sad and tragic backstory uh i made a joke with a friend recently talking about this this issue actually uh you could turn a drinking game out of that issue every time spawn says malbolgia <laughs> you, you you'd be drunk in less than 20 minutes like like oh my gosh they i feel i don't know what level of communication that todd and eric larson had when they did these crossovers and used each other's characters for these stories but it doesn't seem like they used a whole lot of uh contextual notes between each other because it seemed like eric larson only knew the backstory and so decided to say Mel Bulge's name over and over and over again, uh, because it's a really cool name and maybe it'll get people to read spawn comics. Uh, so yeah, that, that's kind of like his only role in that issue is, uh, you know, he, he's there long enough to tell his story, say Mel Bulge a million times, and then he just evaporates and disappears into the next issue of spawn. Yeah. Issue 53. Yeah. I think we can definitely skip that one. Uh, we got plenty of retellings of the origin early on in, in the spawn uh, issues, uh, you know, of itself. I, I wonder maybe Eric Larson, maybe um, spawn. And again, uh, one thing I'll point out is yeah, if it's Savage Dragon was only up to issue 30 and again, spawn was up to issue 
you know, 53, yeah, 52. Yeah. It, it uh, goes to what I was saying a few episodes ago about McFarland was so much further ahead than a lot of these other guys, not to say he didn't have late issues, but mm-hmm. he definitely was, was more dedicated to it. Uh, but the other thing that I wonder if Eric Larson is like, Oh, you know, issue 52 of spawn was already out or had already been sent to the printers. And he's like, wait, spawn beat, Savage Dragon that easily? Well, I, I, I'm not <laughs> going to make him that. look good. I'm not going to make him look good in Savage Dragon then. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's honestly poorly written. And it's kind of a bummer because Eric Larson is a really great writer. Um, I think that, uh, you know, one of the reasons anyway, but this may be a tangent, but Savage Dragon, it comes out so much slower than other comic book series because Eric Larson does all of it. Yeah. He does the pencils, he does the writing, he does the color, all of it. Like it's all him. It's his baby. I I I'm sure there's other people that like guest featured and stuff, but as far as I know, he does a hundred percent of the work for that thing. So I completely commend him for getting 30 issues out at the same rate that a whole team is pumping out, you know, 52 issues of spawn. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And that that's even true. I mean, he kind of, he's he's approaching 300 now. Yeah, he is. And that, yeah. I'm sure that's going to be a big event. <laughs> yep. So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Uh, thanks to Blake for joining me. Uh, as always, uh, don't forget to go check out the other content uh, on the Comic Source podcast. Just do a search on your favorite podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We're on all of them, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever. Uh, just do a search for the Comic Source and you'll find us there. Uh if you want to check out the art as we talk about it, it's also on the YouTube channel, the comic source. So you can go and, uh, and check it out there. Uh, and that's going to do it for this episode. So we appreciate you guys all joining us as always. And we'll talk to you next time. Later. You can find the comic source podcast on Spotify, Apple podcast, Stitcher, Google play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.